Well, good morning, guys. Good morning. How's it going? Uh, if I don't know you, my name's Tom. I think I know everyone in the room, but hello. Um, hey, Frank. Uh, and what I want us to do, guys, this may feel cheesy, and I don't apologize for that. I want us just to look around the room for a sec. Just make eye contact uncomfortably long with someone. <laughs> And I want you to say, it's so good to see you. It's good to see you guys. The reason, the reason I wanted to start with that is I wanted two things. I wanted to thank God and praise God that we're not alone. Um, that most importantly that we're not alone because he's with us and Jesus makes it really clear he's like I'm never going to leave you or forsake you I'm with you to the end of the age but also that we're together in this as a family that we're not following Jesus on our own and not too long ago I was preaching to my phone in my basement and you guys were coming on Zoom church not too long ago so we praise God that we're in the same room together this morning and the other thing I wanted to say is that you being here matters like, you showing up as yourself matters because you reflect God in a really unique and specific way that no one else can. And so just like we're a, a unique expression of the body of Christ that's a part of a way bigger body of Christ throughout the whole world, made up of every tribe, tongue, you have a role to play here. You matter here. And so it's really good to see you. It's good that you're here in the room with us. Uh, confession, guys. I really like order. And to be in control of things. And this series, the Way of Jesus series, is kind of coming together in real time. Like I didn't have a master plan. We kind of had an idea we wanted to talk about this. And so I want to humbly submit to you guys this morning what I sense God wanted me to talk about. Um, And it kind of was birthed out of our elders prayer meeting this this week at 5 a.m. Shout out morning people. Um, And the question I felt like he was asking me and wanting me to talk about is what does formation look like? in a fractured world. So what does formation look like in a fractured world? Um, as, as we have been praying about and we all experience, and Amy was leading us so, so nicely in, is, is we are experiencing fracture all around us. Like if we think about most poignantly right now, it's, it's the images and reports of what's going on in Ukraine. Like that's evidence of the fracture that, that's going on in the world. We think about our own country over the last month and everything that's been going on in Ottawa, We've experienced fracture in our own community, guys. Let's, let's not pretend like that hasn't happened. Like, we've gone through a church split. People have left over differing opinions on theology and what the scriptures say. There's fracture there. Many of us have felt fracture in our own nuclear families over issues like the vaccine. People aren't welcome for dinner anymore because they don't have it, or they do have it, and people are afraid. There's fracture there. Don't even get me started on social media. I won't even go down that rabbit hole. But you and I feel fractured in our own hearts as well, probably. As we're struggling with this whole, we want to follow Jesus, we want to give him everything, but we actually are afraid to. And so there's a gap between who we are and who we want to be in Jesus. So with that, many of us are, 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 I want to just give credence to that, that we're experiencing this in real time and in real ways. Like this fracture is a real thing. So don't, imagine, don't, don't like be like, well, I'm just, I'm overplaying it. And many of us are carrying around in our bodies things like anxiety, unprocessed grief or loss, 
anger, loneliness, fear, shame, and the list could go on. But theologically, we have an answer for this. All of this has its root in the story of Scripture. See, we live in a different story, and this is good news for us. But the story of Scripture is the story of heaven on earth, so union, being ripped apart into heaven and earth, this fracture, disintegration, and God's glorious mission to bring these two realms together once again. And so this fracture, this disintegration we experience, it's the result of sin. It's the result of us saying, hey, you know what, God, we know better than you. And so we're going to set up our own kingdoms, and we're going to accomplish our own will. We have no need for you. And so this is a result of, of humanity's rebellion against God and his kingdom. But here's the good news. This is not the end of the story. This is not the end of the story. Because we have another king, amen? And his name is Jesus. This is not the end of your story. This is not the end of the story of your family. This is not the end of the story of Anchor Point. This is not the end of the story of Canada or Ukraine or the entire world. We have another king, and his name is Jesus. And see, we as followers of Jesus, we believe by faith that God is going to one day return and to set right all that's been broken. So that's what we hold on to today, that that God's plan for his creation is not fracture. It's wholeness. It's union. It's union with him and, and with each other. And so we hold on to that today with faith. God's plan is wholeness in Ukraine and Canada and Anchor Point and your family and you. And so we've talked about fracture, but what is formation? Formation is simply this. For those of us who are following Jesus, who are doing our best to be disciples, it's, it's, it's pretty intensive. And it's this. It's learning to think, to love, to act, and to will toward God and not toward ourselves. And so this requires for us a reorienting of the cries of our heart, our desires, and our longings towards God again. And so I want to think about this for a second. Those of us in the room that, that have a legitimate desire for peace, are we directing that desire towards earthly things? Those of us who have a desire for freedom, are we directing that desire towards the lifting of a mandate? Those of us who have a, a desire for identity, are we looking to find that in another person or a job or, or a, things that we own? And so the invitation of Jesus is to reorient all of those desires. Those desires aren't bad. There's nothing wrong with desiring peace or hope or identity or purpose or love or freedom. But where we go to find that is the issue. And so what we're going to talk about today, we're going to take a sec and we're going to look at God. Because I think that's a good place to start. As, As the world around us is going crazy, we're going to look at God. And we see God revealed most beautifully and poignantly in the person of Jesus. And so we're going to look at Jesus' vision for who God is and what God is like. We're going to talk about his, his announcement that the kingdom has actually arrived. Not that it's just coming, but it's arrived right here, right now. And his invitation to follow us and learn how to be human from him. Okay, so I want to read Psalm 46. I'm actually going to get you guys to stand as we read this scripture today. And then instead of praying at the end, guys, I'm just going to leave space for silence because you'll 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 hear the verse and know why i'm doing that okay and then we'll hop in together so psalm 46 god is our fortress to the choir master of the sons of korah according to alamoth a song 
the word of the Lord. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The word of the Lord. Father, our prayer this morning is simple. Would you show us Jesus? Holy Spirit, reveal to us what Jesus is really like. And Jesus, show us what your Father is really like. May, we, we, may you still our anxious hearts this morning. And may we know you, God. We ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. Um, this quote we read often in A.W. Tozer says this the first thing we want to talk about guys is, is Jesus' ability to reveal who God is and what God's really like And so this is what A.W. Tozer says in the knowledge of the holy and we've read this before but let's just let's listen in a new way what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us the history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion, and man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. That first line, what comes into our minds when we think about God, is the most important thing about us. And so when we see Jesus come on the scene, he starts tackling right away our misunderstanding of who God is. And he says this line that it's, it's always struck me, and I feel like I read it, and I can sense Jesus' like, heartache. And he says, no one knows the Father except me. 
And it's like he's looking around at the brokenness of the world. And he's like, man, no one knows you, God. No one knows what you're really like. And the re- reason that is, is because sin, it, it leads us into a discombobulated, misinformed, misunderstanding of who God is and what he's like. If we think about the garden, remember Adam and Eve, they hide right away. And they're, they're ashamed and they, they hide from a God who, who wants union and closeness with them. And so because the enemy, there is a real enemy in the world, can't change the goodness of God, all he can do is change the narrative and our understanding of that. He can't take away from who God is and his character and nature, but he can get in our brains and make us think wrong thoughts about who God is. And so he can, he's basically on this big smear campaign to ruin the image of God in our minds. And so we need, as people who are living in a fractured world, who are asking God to form us more into the image of Jesus, a deep, heartfelt knowledge of God. We need that. And so first we need to own our, our wrong thinking of who God is. That each of us, in our own way, carries in our hearts a wrong understanding of the nature and character of God. And so we look to Jesus as the revelation of who God really is and what he's really like. And... Uh, Let's read um, from John. This is, this is during the last uh, supper discourse. Jesus talks about God and the Trinitarian nature of God shows up in this scripture. So let's read from John 14. This he's talking to his disciples here. He says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will, not, will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So we see the Father, we see the Son, we see the Spirit. Go to the next slide, Isaiah. Thanks, man. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. We see... The nature of God there is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all referenced in a unified purpose and plan, which is, again, that story of Scripture reuniting heaven and earth, God and humanity. Jesus, when he comes, he reveals a Father who is not distant and who is not aloof and who is not invested or involved in our lives. He reveals a Father who chooses us. He reveals a Father who initiates the plan of salvation out of a deep love for us. We see Jesus when he's instructing his disciples, like, how do we pray, Jesus? He says, pray like this, and he says, Abba. He's like, hey, talk to this, this God in this intimate language. He wants to be known by you. So God, as Father revealed to us by Jesus, is all-powerful, yet deeply knowable. And this is incredible good news. We see Jesus reveal himself as the Son, as the Savior, as the one who has come and put on flesh to come and live and die in our place. He is the exact imprint of the nature of God. When we're confused about what God is like, we look at Jesus. 
We see in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus that he triumphed over sin, over Satan, over death, and over hell. Essentially, he's a boss. Look out. And then, again, we see that it's, that's not it. That there's also a spirit. The spirit of God has been sent in the name of Jesus to help us. To advocate for us on our behalf. To reveal Jesus to us. To empower us to continue his mission in the world. And he not only does that, but he reminds us of our identity as God's children. That we, through him, we're able to cry out, Abba, Father, like Jesus did. So Jesus comes and reveals a God that is way better than our brains can even comprehend. And so as followers of Jesus, we live in a different story. And in, in living in that different story, we have to adopt Jesus's vision of God. So in the old story, we had our own vision of God. And we were actually the center and the king or queen of our own kingdom. But in this new paradigm, in this new story, we lay those things down and we trust Jesus as king and we trust his picture of God, not our own. Amen. Amen. I'm not fishing here, guys, but I, I enjoy feedback. So if there's things that stick out to you, just say, mm, amen. Appreciate it. Come up and give me a high five, whatever. But, um, yeah. <laughs> But just, anyways, I'm not fishing, just to make that clear. But you have complete liberty to, to, to shout out from your seat, okay? So Jesus reveals to us a God who is way better than we could have ever imagined. I just wrote it down. Oh, nice. The second thing, as we're, as we're trying to still our hearts and look and know God, is that Jesus announces the arrival of God's kingdom. And so let's read this. This is from the Gospel of Mark, uh, the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He says this, uh, or, or sorry, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. It's at hand. It's not that it will one day come. It is right here, right now, being unleashed by Jesus. And so we, in this story, are in, in this invitation that we hear from God it, through Jesus is, yes, this kingdom has come. But what we have to do is we have to repent. We actually have to do something here. And how we've been thinking through this and processing this. Oh, let me read that again. So this is a paraphrase. The kingdom where the rule of God is breaking in. I'm going to destroy sin, Satan, death, and hell. Amen. You can live in the way of the world if you want. But ultimately, that will lead to death. I have an announcement that the kingdom of God is advancing in the world. That's another way of saying that. And so we've been thinking through this whole idea of repentance or Jesus being uh, the king this way. Drum roll, please. There we go. So before, our lives were oriented around the kingdom of self, right? Yeah. Not a good scene. And that led to this sense of being stagnated. We didn't know what we were doing. We felt disintegrated inside, and we, we feel isolated. So that's the end result of the kingdom of self. And so Jesus is saying, hey, come live under my authority, under my rule and reign. So repenting is reori reorienting our lives around God instead of ourselves. And that's a big deal. And that's something that we're going to be doing all the way through to the end of our time here on this earth, is continually moving away from the kingdom of self into the kingdom of God. Yeah. Okay, so when we do that, we move from a place of being isolated and on our own to a place of intimacy with God and with other people. We have a purpose because we've been given the same mission that Jesus has. And there's this process of God forming us or, or integrating us instead of being disintegrated. Okay, so repentance, what it is, is it, it's a total change of mind, which leads to a total change of life. Mm 
And so the invitation here is, is, hey, you think that you need to be God and that you can be God, but the truth is you can't and you don't need to be. Because Jesus is a way better king. Jesus knows way more than we do. Jesus is way better than we could ever imagine. So we come into his kingdom and lay down our own rule and reign. This means, though, to be completely honest, Kevin Butler, I'm looking at you. Andrew, I'm looking at you. Are you texting right now? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> just kidding. JK. This, this, means, this means we have to rethink everything. Every single dang thing. How we deal with politics. How we eat. How we drink. How we spend our time. How we spend our money. What we look at with our eyes. What we read. Everything needs to be rethought in light of a new kingdom coming. So this means I have to reorient my will, my heart, my emotions, and all my desires toward a new kingdom with a new king. Okay, that's the big thing I want you guys to think about. We have to rethink everything. And so I think this shows up in our fractured world right now because I think we're thinking about things in the old way where we have to be king rather than thinking about things in the new way where Jesus is king. See, this announcement is actually really welcome good news for those of us who've been trapped in the tyranny and bondage of the kingdom of self. Because if we're honest, that kingdom sucks. Yeah. It gets us nowhere. It leads to brokenness in ourselves and in other people. And so it, it, can, it can read and be heard in our ears as good news. That, that call to, being, to repenting and believing is actually really good news. The other part about this is that this kingdom is not just for some elect few who are superior or are born of, in a certain family. Anyone can enter this kingdom because this, it, our entrance is based upon Jesus' lineage as the Son of God, not ours. It's based on his righteousness, with his, which is perfect, not ours. It's based on his authority and not ours. If you picture like walking into a room and people being like, hey, should that person be here? And Jesus is like, no, he's with me. It's cool. <laughs> He's with me. She's with me. So in order for this to, to really take root in our hearts and to, for this to become real, guys, we have to let go of our own kingdoms. And we have to welcome Jesus to take his rightful place as king in all of our lives. Okay? We must learn from Jesus how to live in God's kingdom, though. We have to learn a new way. Because inevitably, we just bring our old ways into this new kingdom. And this is the good news of Jesus' invitation for us to follow him. So let's, let's keep reading in Mark chapter 1, and we'll read verse 16 now. So passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Uh, Dallas Willard has this quote that is just awesome. He says this, There is no problem in human life that apprenticeship to Jesus cannot solve. And so Jesus' invitation to apprenticeship or discipleship or to follow him is going to help us in every area and aspect of our lives. Jesus, what he's doing is he's inviting us 
to learn from him how to be a human being in God's kingdom, which has, fully, which has arrived here and now. This is good news for me. I need help from Jesus to learn how to be a human being. And it's good news for you. Especially some of you in this room. Um, just kidding. And the goal... I feel, it feels good to, to joke around again. I haven't done that in a while. I love making fun of you guys. That's just, that is my love language, if anyone knows me well. It's just, um, my wife said it's true. Sing, single tear coming down her face. Okay. In all seriousness, um, I lost my place. That's... Jesus is inviting us to learn how to be human. And essentially what this is, is, is no matter what your, whatever your state of life, whatever, how old, however old you are, whatever your job is, the goal is like, how would Jesus live if, if he were me right here and right now? Which is pretty cool if you think about it. This morning, and jokingly, we were praying about something. I said something about, I don't even remember, something about just men. And it's just like, well, what about women too? And I'm like, yeah, that's the thing. We don't, it, Jesus, Jesus wants to live through you as a mother. Jesus wants to live through you, doing whatever womanly thing is you need to do as well. And so it's, it's great. He wants to live through you, whatever your life is. Okay, first thing that we see in Jesus' invitation of discipleship, we've talked about this multiple times, guys, but I'm not going to stop talking about this. The first thing we see as a pillar of our discipleship to Jesus is this call to intimacy. And we see this when Jesus says, hey, come and follow me. And so the idea here is learning to be with Jesus. How do we cultivate? How do we make space? How do we make this a priority to, be, be have, to have intimacy with God? How we define that in our kind of paradigm for discipleship, intimacy is knowing and being known by the Father and his family. And that's why even like what we started with this morning, being in the same room with one another, looking at each other in the eyes is part of that. Is being, being in relationship with one another is part of how we are disciples to Jesus. And so as we do this, as we respond to his call to intimacy, we grow in our understanding in the love and fellowship of the Trinity ourselves. I think about this often when we think about this whole mystery of union with Jesus, that, you know, if we, we it talks about um, how we died with Christ, we were buried with Christ, we were raised with Christ, now we've ascended with Christ. Think about this idea that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are sitting together, and you're in Jesus. And so somehow, and this is just my own picture, maybe it's not theologically correct, I submit it to you humbly, that in that space of being in Jesus, we're, we're actually being seen the same way Jesus is seen. And we're able to see the Father and the Spirit from the same vantage point as Jesus, which is pretty cool. And so that place of intimacy, of, of being with Jesus, we get a greater understanding of who God really is and what he's really like. The second call we see is that call from the kingdom of self, our life was so disintegrated. God calls us into his kingdom and he wants to form us. And Jesus puts it this way, I will make you. And that whole goal or that whole process is, is becoming like Jesus. And we, we just talked about it a second ago, but the goal there is to learn from Jesus how to be a human in God's kingdom. How to, how to think, how to love, how to act like Jesus in every single thing that we're doing. This requires a, a transformation, not just of our minds, but of our heart, of our soul, and our strength. And so there's this whole process of us being like completely transformed into the image of Jesus. It's such good news. And then finally, we are given a new purpose. You know, we in our kingdom of self, are, are, we end up stagnant. We're like, this, I must be made for more of this, uh, more than this. 
And that, that comes through in like quotes by famous um, football players who have won Super Bowls and like, this is so empty and hollow. So we as human beings, as people who carry the image of God, we're made for so much more than just earthly accomplishments. And so Jesus says, hey, listen, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So he gives us a new mission. And he's, what he's saying is, hey, join me in what I'm doing. Do what I did. And so we talk about this in this way, that we are partnering with the spirit and with the church around the world in, in the renewal of all things. So you have a role to play. You have a part to play. One of my favorite verses is from Acts chapter 4, verse 13. And I want, I want this just to be illustrating the idea that this is for all of us. Uh, verse 13 of chapter 4 of Acts. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So we are ordinary folks, guys, with an extraordinary God. And so that's the call, is that as we are with Jesus, we're going to grow in boldness. We're going to understand who he is. We're going to be transformed more into the image of him. We're going to be able to partner with him in his mission. We're called to carry out the work of the kingdom of God. We're to preach the gospel. We're to heal the sick. We're to cast out demons. We're to teach the way. We're to be a peaceful presence in an anxious world. And the cool part is that the other call is to make other disciples. That that's we're calling people continually into this whole process of being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. And I want to give a little encouragement to you guys. Uh, Jess and I have been befriending these people in our community that own, uh, uh, should I say what they own? Too late. They own something. Uh, a place, <laughs> a business. They're business owners in our community. And they, the dreaded day come where they ask me, hey, Tom, what do you do? And I was like, oh gosh, here it goes. This is the end of this friendship. And I said, oh, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, oh. Took a step back kind of thing and went about what they were doing. And I went home and told Jess, and I was like, oh gosh, that's the end of that friendship kind of thing. And the cool thing was the next day Jess went in, and she was saying, hey, we were thinking about, okay, if Tom's a pastor, then, okay, what is his church like? Who goes to his church? And then they started to connect the dots, who they'd seen me kind of run into people there and talk or whatever. And they said to Jess, the the crazy thing is we realized that all the people that we think go to your church, they're doing some investigative thinking, (laughs) they're so peaceful. So in the midst of all this craziness, anxiety, masks, no masks, vaccines, everything that's going on in the world, the people that we know go to your church are so peaceful. And that was so encouraging. And I want to encourage you guys that, that there is, you are carrying Christ with you. And people are noticing and seeing that. And so don't feel like I'm coming at you being like, hey, you guys suck. You need to grow in all these things. We all can grow in this stuff, but just a little thing that, that you are bearing witness to Jesus in our little community here. So that prayer that we pray. God, let your kingdom come in Allison as it is in heaven. It's coming. It's trickling in, and God is good and faithful to kind of keep that growing. So praise God for that. Um, Yeah. Just sit there, just super chill, just hanging out. I'll tell you after, Joy. That's your reward for me calling you out publicly. All right. So guys, over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be talking about some specific spiritual disciplines that we feel are really important for us to grow in our formation to Jesus. These are based on the life of Jesus, not just based on what we want to do. Um, 
And this picture, the same prayer meeting, 5 a.m., I might have been tripping out, but I had this picture. Uh, anyone ever read Little House on the Prairie or watched the show? Shout out Little House on the Prairie. Uh, and basically, at the first sign of a blizzard back in the day, farmers would string a rope from the house to the barn so they could go and do their chores or whatever because there was this fear that they would freeze to death in the backyard or they'd get caught in a whiteout if they didn't. And I really sense that what we're going to be thinking, even the stuff we were talking about today, these are lifelines back to the presence of God. As, as the blizzard around us is going crazy in the world, okay, who is God really like as we walk back from our daily job to our house to peace with God? Like those things are going to serve us in bringing us back to the heart of God. And so the, I'm excited. I'm excited about the practices that we're going to learn, but I'm, I'm excited that God is faithful to us. And that he wants to lead us back to himself, ultimately, which is just such good news. And it does feel crazy. Let's be honest. It feels like we're in the middle of a storm. But I pray and hope that our, our trust and our desires and our hope is more um, directed at Jesus day by day. And not at the things of the world and the million distractions that they offer as the solution to that. Jesus wants to teach us how to live in wholeness and how to live wholeheartedly. And so as we close today, guys, I'm going to read Jesus's, uh, when he's asked what is the greatest commandment, um, he, he answers the scribe in a certain way. And what I want us to do over the next little bit is actually memorize this together. It's really simple. And um, I feel like God's promise to us as his people is wholeness and wholeheartedness. And so I want to pray this over us actually like as, as like a statement of faith, not as like a, hey, you need to do this, but that God actually, this is his purpose for us and his heart for us and what he wants to do. And so I'm going to read it from Mark chapter 12. And if Amy and, and Daniel, if you guys want to lead us again in some singing, um, we're going to respond, guys, um, and sing that song that we just were singing before, Give Me Jesus. But let me read. This is what I feel like God's purpose and hope and plan for us is right here, right now. So, and one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that, he answered them and asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And listen to this, guys. This is, I feel like, his promise for us. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus, we look to you as, as our hope, as our king, and we receive this, Lord. Would you make us wholehearted people, people who love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind and strength people who are continually coming back to you, God, in the middle of blizzards and hurricanes and whatever may come our way. Jesus, would you teach us what it looks like to actually love our neighbor? We need help with that, God. We don't know how to do that. And so as we are this week coming out of um, certain lockdowns and restrictions, put on our hearts who to have in our home, who to connect with, who to, who to spend time with. Lord, teach us how to love you and love our neighbor better than we have in the past. So Lord, we receive this in faith today, that you are going to do this in us, 
And would you give us strength and endurance and, and faith to just continue on in that journey of following after you, Lord, with all that we have.